It's that time. Your fix is here. College football is a year-round discussion with these two. Here's J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan of ESPN and J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports have you covered. Beginning right now. Welcome, everybody. It's J.C. and Morgan. Hope you're doing well out there. Uh, We are a day late, but not a dollar short. We're a day late because of a a number of responsibilities going on. Things get a little hairy this time of year. J.C.'s in Chicago. You know him from 24-7 Sports. Uh, I am in, uh, this is what, this is what the things we do for love. Wasn't that a song back in the day? (laughs) This, this is the things we do to put together another award-winning installment of this podcast. Uh, by the way, Mike Morgan, ESPN, SEC network. Uh, I am in a holiday Inn express in Bowling Green, Ohio, uh, because later tonight on uh, ESPN two be with Cole Kublik and Quint Kesnick. Got a great uh, crew to work with for Falcons Broncos not the not the Super Bowl from back in the day not uh not not that matchup in the late 90s I'm talking Bowling Green I'm talking Western Michigan I'm talking Maction uh which you know I know everybody is somewhat familiar with Maction but just so you know why do they play on Tuesday Wednesday night it's real simple because they will never get this kind of audience on a Saturday and so you see conferences like the Sun Belt do this, the American do this. Uh, when you can play on those off nights, those week nights, which I think is more embraced now than ever. You know, I think initially there was like, well, you can't have football on any other day and said, I think today's generation is like, hell no, I want football every day. Uh, and, and pretty much that's what you have. So for four straight weeks, the Mac does this. And by the way, it's not the the choppy, shoddy Thursday night NFL football that you see where they've only they've only got three days rest. Uh, these teams haven't played in over a week, and their next game will be on another Wednesday, so they're not playing on short rest. So don't uh, you don't have to worry about the college kids getting uh, worn out. So anyway, we got so much to talk to JC. I know uh, I'm excited, and I know you're excited as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Just a a lot of news this week. He had the first poll come out for the playoff, Tennessee being number one. I I don't think that was a surprise. I had a sneaky suspicion they would be number one. Me too. uh, Just because of the quality wins they've got this year Mm -hmm. and the margins of victory and all that. But then, um, and then the other three are pretty, pretty normal. I mean, there's some controversy about TCU not being that high yet again, even though they've beaten what three straight ranked teams. Um, you know, uh, so we got that. We have Auburn finally pulling the plug on Brian Harson. Yep, mercifully, <laughs> mm-hmm. and yeah. it's it's hard to say mercifully because he's getting, you know, the, the dude's getting fifteen million to walk away. So I mean, I, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not crying in my beer over Brian Harson, but uh, you know, certainly if you've watched Auburn at all this year, it, it's just you just kind of felt like, man, this is. This is as low as it gets. I would say it's as low as it gets for this program, but Chiswick's last team wasn't even competitive. At least these guys have been somewhat competitive at times. Um, and they've actually won some games, but uh, just not a very exciting brand of football at all. The OC's out the door, same time he is. Cadillac Williams gets the interim job. That makes me feel old. Uh, Ike Hilliard's on that staff, too. It makes yeah. They have a hell of a seven-on-seven pickup team. 
with yeah. Cadillac and Ike Hilliard, but uh, <laughs> that, yeah, it makes us all feel old, right? There's no doubt about it. So that happened. And, uh, you know, some big games this weekend, basically, Mike, it's almost semifinal Saturday in the SEC because yeah. Alabama LSU winner is going to have that inside track to that division. And obviously, I think the winner of the East will come from Tennessee, Georgia, barring some crazy. I, I just I look at the rest of their schedules. I don't see a loss for either one of them. So uh, Titanic matchups in the Southeastern Conference this weekend. Uh, so a lot to be excited about and a lot to talk about here on the pod. Yeah, I, I'm sure CBS execs are – I mean, you can't argue with the games they went with a, a few weeks ago. Um, but, man, they could have had this as their doubleheader week. And you could, like, print your rating. You're you're going to have uh, – Andy Staples did a great article, like the magical number. There's select few college football games that can draw 4 million viewers – I think both these games are going to have over 4 million. So you could have had back-to-back games on your network with over 4 million. Mm. Alabama LSU winds up being the ESPN game. Georgia Tennessee winds up being the CBS game. Uh, and there's no telling what the number is going to be uh, on that one. It's, it's, it's going to be ridiculously high and you're, you're right. It, 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 this serves uh, like a semifinal, like a playoff. You could make the argument that, Georgia needs this more than Tennessee because Tennessee already has two of the biggest wins of any team out there. And if they lose, they're going to be 11 and one and they're going to be 11 and one and sitting there. And I think it's still in very good shape to make the playoff. If Georgia loses, uh, there's no question. They have to, they have to do extremely well the rest of the way uh, just to get in and, and they still might not get in, in a, in a packed field, you've got the TCU thing, you know, that, that allows people like, uh, you know, Joel Klatt to, to claim SEC bias and all that stuff. The bottom line is whenever you do that, like if, and then when Alabama does get in, then they whoop up on a team like TCU. So I, I get it. TCU is undefeated. Alabama's not. But TCU's at a conference schedules at Colorado. Tarleton, not familiar with Tarleton's work. Weren't they Tarleton a cover State. band back in the eighties? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Tarleton. Tarleton, uh, and and at SMU. Um, look, I've I've been waving the Big Twelve banner all year long. I think it's an exciting league. It's a great year for the for the league. But I, I wouldn't get all bent out of shape. If TCU runs the table, I think they're still in very good shape. But if they lose a game, they're probably not getting in. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I could make a – I think the problem if you're TCU and what you're upset about a little bit is, uh, hey, man, you know, you did this to us back in 2014. And if our names were Texas and Oklahoma, perhaps we would have gotten in instead of TCU and Baylor, or at least one of us would have. And uh, I think what also gripes TCU people is you, you look at Alabama uh, getting a lot of credit for a road win at Texas by one point. Texas is average as grits this year still. I mean, uh, and Alabama struggled. They lost to Tennessee. They, they just haven't looked the same. So uh, I understand. Uh, I, I don't think it's necessarily it's SEC bias more so than then maybe brand bias, if that makes sense. Look at Clemson at four. You can't tell me Clemson's had a better run of it. And and the guy got up there and talked about strength of schedule for the Tigers. I was like, well, I guess you're 
you know, some of these ACC teams that just, you know, are not very good, but they've won and been ranked. I guess you're giving them credit for NC State and FSU on the road and Wake Forest and all those. I mean, those those are good teams for the ACC, but man, that I mean that league remains down. Uh, it's nothing like the 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 Big Twelve bloodbath TCU's been through. It's uh, clearly but, a brand, it's a brand recognition play. We can all yeah, admit that, right? Yeah. I mean, so that, and I think I, I think that needs to be out of it, to be honest. But uh, it's college football, and that matters. <laughs> a lot of things matter in this sport that don't matter in other sports. So yeah, uh, I'm thinking, you know, I, I'm thinking TCU will get there. They just keep winning because they're going to end up, Mike, with too many quality wins to leave them out just because as you've mentioned all year and you called this, I think in week two, the big 12 top to bottom is an awfully strong league. Right. Right. Yeah. I think a TCU, a 13 and 0 TCU is going to find its way in. So I'm not really worried about TCU. And that's the thing about getting all bent out of shape about the, these rankings. Um, they, they mean virtually nothing at this stage. So many uh, playoff type games take place in November and and separate fact from fiction teams that are truly in this race and teams that are are truly not uh, i mean i hear a lot of people trying to find a path for for the pac 12 and by the way how do you have southern cal ahead of ucla that makes no sense i i i still don't think the pac 12 gets in they've been shut out for 6 years and and i don't i think that georgia oregon game is is people can't wipe that from their from their hard drive uh, and so you, you've got to, I, I just don't think Oregon gets in and then UCLA, Southern Cal, like Southern Cal beats Utah, Utah loses to Florida and there's UCLA. I, I, I don't see it. I think we're looking at SEC, big 10, uh, and then, it, and TCU and Clemson that, that to me, that's, that's where your pool of, of teams are from. And a lot of this is going to work itself out on Saturday, and then the in the upcoming Saturdays, uh, Clemson's going to be if Clemson goes thirteen and zero, they're going to be almost impossible to to keep out of this thing. Uh, so you know the, it has been a disappointing year for the ACC, particularly it's been a disappointing year for ACC quarterbacks. Like the best kid throwing the ball in that league by far is a freshman in May. Uh, that kid will probably be the number one pick in the draft in two years. That's how good he looks. Uh, but but a, a lot of the other guys that were so heavily hyped have been disappointing, quite frankly. Um, and, I mean, I just saw two of them up close with the yeah. Miami-Virginia game that I had. By the way, JC, I had a quadruple overtime game without a touchdown and two That's ACC awesome. teams. <laughs> it's just, That's it's like, awesome. I mean, it's like. It was yeah. so bad, it was good. It was so bad, it was funny. Yeah, I uh, I feel bad because you know the, the offensive coordinator that was at Virginia under Mendenhall did such a good job with Armstrong, and uh, he's done a great job with Garrett Schrader at Syracuse too. Even though they've lost a couple in a row, he leaves. Uh, my man Des Kitchings gets that OC job, and I, I know Des and like him and think he's a heck of a coach. But you know, there's just there's been a lot of regression there yeah. at, at that spot with that offense. Uh, Tony Elliott was known for offense going in, and then look, he's going to have to make a change because whoever's calling—I uh, forgot the name of his offense coordinator, uh, Des something. Des Kitchings, yeah, yeah, he's my friend. I just—I uh, was just talking about it, but yeah, personal yeah. feelings aside, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, I—I I missed that part that he's your well, friend. I, yeah. I well, I—I I, I'm just going to tell you this. 
Holy smokes, there was some questionable play. I mean, they had three first. I'm not going to spend much time on this game. I just happen to be fresh on my mind. But they had three first and goals from the opposing five, and they're running like reverse, you know, halfback option type stuff. It just it, uh, it give them time. There, uh, this is not an indictment on anybody there yet because it's only year one, mm-hmm. but. They they got some things to figure out. Uh, they, they because Armstrong has regressed. I don't know what's going on with him. People are talking about Van Dyke has regressed. I mean, that was my bigger point. So many of these ACC quarterbacks that were heavily hyped. A lot of people thought this was the best league for quarterback play in the country this year. And you know, Leary didn't have the year that people thought. I realize he's banged up now. Other than DJ, who has improved, and the May kid, who's been outstanding. Really good, yeah. Uh, and of course, Hartman, you can take him to the bank. That kid is—he's uh, always good when he's when he's when he's healthy. Other than that, it hadn't been the year that people thought it would be um, in the ACC. But I—I—I uh, I, I, I don't have too many other thoughts on the playoff, JC, because I—I I, I can't get myself worked up in a tizzy like a lot of people are supposed to do, and I realize it's part of their job. Like you've got to react, so you have to overreact. It's like the people, God bless them, that are they have to go on the air every day and talk and find a way to talk about LeBron James, the Dallas Cowboys, even when it doesn't fit. I always say to myself, God, that's got to be miserable to do. Um, well, there there are people that you have to you have to have an overreaction to the first playoff poll. I'm just not there because it, it the first playoff poll means nothing. It really does mean nothing. Like, even if you say, well, this team's ahead of this team now, so that hurts. But that can flip-flop. That can flip-flop in a matter uh, of a week. So, uh, yeah, I, I I can't get too worked up over it. I wasn't shocked. I thought Tennessee would be one. I'm not surprised Alabama got in there. Look, Alabama, if you watch that game against Tennessee – if they were incredibly sloppy with penalties, which I don't think just goes away overnight. But Bryce Young, to me, looked like the best player on the field again and, and love Hendon Hooker. But I'm just telling you, Bryce Young was phenomenal in that game. And if they won it, that's we'd still be talking about how good his performance was. Uh, Alabama's still damn good. They're just not as good as they normally are. Tennessee and Georgia, an eight and a half point spread. I, I, I'm. I'm stump I'm struggling to find that and figure that out, but Vegas knows always knows something we we don't. Just take a look at that Missouri South Carolina line and why that was so low. And lo and behold, Missouri wins the game. I, I, you know. Anyway, um, is there anything else you want to say on the playoff? Because I know we got a lot of thoughts on the Auburn situation too. No, I, I just uh, <clears throat> congrats to Tennessee folks. Uh, they've suffered for a long time, but it, it had to feel good for. Uh, them to to see that that number one ranking, but as you said, yeah, the, the beauty about this, um, <clears throat> you know, the way they do the playoff is, and I think this is good and bad because uh, I, I don't, you know, when you're dealing with a bunch of human beings, it's kind of like refereeing, you know, <laughs> they're good, they're they're going to have some flawed logic and flawed reasoning for this, that, and the other that doesn't make much sense to a lot of us. But uh, the other thing is, they're not scared. It's not like the AP poll where. You basically have to wait your turn. You know, you basically have to sit there unless you have a Titanic win. You know, if you're undefeated, but this other team was ranked ahead of you uh, and they're undefeated, they're going to kind of stay ranked ahead of you. Nuh-uh, not not in the playoff poll. They'll they'll shake it up and move it all around and, and, and stuff like that. So so if I'm if I'm TCU, I'm probably not as worried 
uh, you know, as maybe I should be, or maybe you would be if it was like the last weekend in November. I, I would say one thing I would take away from where everybody is ranked is that I, I think if you're Michigan, you might be sweating that Ohio State game knowing that if you do fall short, you're not in the same position Tennessee is. And you're not going to leapfrog an undefeated uh, Clemson. And you're not going to leapfrog an undefeated TCU, I don't believe. So uh, if you're Michigan, you're really feeling like that is your playoff game now. The, the chances of getting in as um, you know a wild card, so to speak. I'm not sure if that's going to be there for the uh, for the Wolverines, and that'll just make that game a little little extra exciting, as if uh, as if it wasn't enough already. Um, all right, uh, where do we start with Auburn? Okay, so you and I have been talking about this for for weeks. We knew this was going to happen, like everybody else knew this was going to happen. I got to say, right off the bat, <laughs> no matter who they hire, the bigger surprise to me is already. I've known John Cohen for a long time going back to when he was a baseball coach in the SEC, both at Kentucky and his alma mater, Mississippi State. Uh, I've known John Cohen as an athletic director in Starkville. Very happy there. Like, there's some people that just fit in Starkville. It's not for everybody. John Cohen is was more than comfortable. I think he could have he had that job for another 10, 15 years and would have been very happy about it. So the fact that somewhere in the middle of the night, Auburn said, we need a guy that knows this league left and right and has experience in it and knows the pitfalls and knows the challenges. And John Cohen checks all those boxes, go poach him away from Mississippi state and poor Mississippi state in the middle of a football season loses their athletic director. I know the players don't necessarily care about the AD when they're playing, but the the coaching staff sure does. I mean, he signs the checks. Um, So that was a, that was the stunner for me. Um, in terms of the the move itself, I, I, Barrett Salee, who we've had on this podcast, I thought had, a, and he happens to be an Auburn alum, had a couple of very telling numbers. First off, everybody likes to talk about what a soap opera Auburn is, and and this could only happen at Auburn, and and uh, Harson was never given a fair chance, and uh, he he wasn't given a fair chance. But if you he posted this, you know, he said, "Don't fall into the trap of." You can go eight and four at Auburn and still get fired. Well, Harson was three and five, got fired. Gus Malzahn was six and five, got fired. Chiswick three and nine, Tupperville five and seven, Terry Bowden one and five. I can tell you there were a few rumors about Terry Bowden back in the day. It might have also helped that, but we won't get into that. Uh, Pat Dye five, five and one, and going all the way back to 1980, Doug Barfield five and six. So that does kind of. Uh, go counter to to what a lot of people say about Auburn. You can go eight and four, and the the politics there will still kill you. Not necessarily. Um, the other thing I thought was interesting, Barrett posted the uh, the idea that the opening at Auburn is bad due to job security is false. Number of full time coaches since two thousand. JC, you want to guess which program has had the most coaching turnover? This is SEC now since two thousand. What I would say a Florida or Tennessee. Damn, you you are all over it. Florida is one with seven. <laughs> Tennessee is two with six. Auburn is third with five. LSU is right after that with four. 
Alabama has four, and Georgia has three. Have you noticed something about all those programs? <laughs> they've been pretty good <laughs> since 2000. Like they, Obviously, they've had a lot of down moments. But for a while there, all one, two, three, four, five, six of those programs were, were winning some serious ball games. So in other words, it's not just Auburn that this goes on at. It, it, Auburn, Auburn gets, I'm not going to say a bad rap. They bring a lot of it onto themselves because we just, we know the backstory with Auburn. We know about the Yellowwood guy. Before that, we knew about the louder guy. We know about all the people. And we knew that they wanted Kevin Steele, who by the way, is now the defensive coordinator at Miami, um, that, that certain people there insisted that that's who they hire. And obviously they did. But the bottom line is, to Barrett's point, if you lose in the SEC, you lose your job no matter where you work. Some places might pull the trigger a little quicker, but it's really not just an Auburn thing. Absolutely not. It's uh, it, you know, it's a situation where you don't people people look at the Auburn thing because it it has at times played out like a soap opera in public. Uh, the but going back to the Bobby Petrino tarmac thing, um, it does seem sometimes like they hire guys that, because if you look at their hiring pattern, you know, that they hired Tuberville, right. And, you know, that, that he, he was an old miss and a good player for, I mean, a good coach, former, former Jimmy Johnson disciple. Uh, he had a nice run there. Uh, you had all that scout scandal with brother Oliver at the end of the Terry Bowden era. Uh, Tuberville lasted a long time and then finally was, was dumped and they replaced him with Gene Chiswick. People are protesting when, when he got the job and then yeah. lo and behold, he wins a national championship, but then lo and behold, two years later, he's out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they, so when they got Chiswick, the whole thing that I, I noticed was, okay, they're putting a lot of money into assistant coaches. So what they're doing is they're hiring some guy that's happy to be there. <laughs> and loading him up with all these assist- money for the assistance. So they're like, well, the staff will just win in spite of him. Uh, and we can kind of quote unquote it, it. I'm not saying that's what they did. It seemed like, oh, this is someone they can control. And then they go right back to the well again and get another former assistant in there. And so says, well, this is somebody we can control. And, and you didn't even really, it didn't really even smack you in the face that hard until when Gus was at the end, you heard it's going to be Kevin Steele. Well, that's definitely, you know, that's three straight where you go, hmm, Malzahn had one year head coaching experience. Chiswick was 5-19 and at Iowa State. You know, Kevin Steele, I think, had one of the worst losses ever in the history of college coaching at Baylor, and and I think won two, something like 2-20 and at Baylor. Uh, Had been a head coach since. And and, and then when they hired Harson, it kind of felt that way too because you all of a sudden heard, no, no, Steele's out. Alan Green, the athletic director, th- th- somebody else is making that decision now, you know. And then lo and behold, they go and hire Harson, who who was just, he was a good football coach, man. He's just a fish out of water there. I mean, that just wasn't, you know, he's just not a fit in the SEC. You know, if Utah were were to open, I think Harson would go there and win a lot of games. I think Washington State, you know, uh, someplace like that, Cal, you know. Uh, someplace out west where he's kind of from, uh, I think he'd work out pretty well. But it just wasn't, you know, everybody's like, who's this guy? 
who's Brian Harson? And it's just boring um type of uh offense, you know, and and boring type of football. You know, it was boring type of football. And uh you know, when you're kind of boring and uh you're not winning and you're a fish out of water, uh and then you went through all that crap last year, uh you know, it, it all adds up to not working out. So I guess we're back to I guess Cohen will make the hire. I, I don't think he would have taken the job and then let them let, let the Yellowwood guy go, hey, you need to go hire Kevin Steele. Right. <laughs> um, because but uh it's gonna be interesting to see sort of what happens. And you know Hunter Urichek, who was the uh AD at Arkansas, sitting AD at Arkansas, he was targeted for that job. Uh and Arkansas had the pony up to keep it. So mm-hmm. that's interesting too, I think, yeah. is that they did say, okay, SEC guy. We need an SEC guy. I'm surprised Cohen left his alma mater for uh, a conference rival, quite frankly. I and mean, maybe he's just been affiliated with Mississippi State his whole life and wants a new challenge or something. But it surprised me that he would make that move for the reasons you said, given you know the comfort level he has in Starkville. Well, I, I was listening to Dan Mullen talk about this yesterday. And, of course, Dan spent several years there uh, and was – one of the most successful coaches that the Bulldogs ever had. And he said, point blank. And and again, he has no ill feelings toward Mississippi state. Um, it was good to him and they, and they were good to him. Um, but there's just more resources at Auburn. Uh, there's, there's just simply more resources. So, uh, if you're, if you're scared, get a dog. Like if you're, if, if you know that more pressure, undoubtedly comes with that well then th- this this is not the move for you stay in starkville and do your thing but uh obviously it was it was an offer that was it was too good to refuse jc uh they, they, they he couldn't couldn't say no i'm sure it's very well protected in case the fickle powers that be wanted to blame everything on this ad I'm quite sure that contract will be very safeguarded uh, if, if such a move were made. And sometimes you're just ready for something different. Sometimes you're just ready for something different. I mean, Mississippi State, and they still have a chance to have a really good year. They'll have Georgia uh, next week in uh, in Starkville. But Dan Mullen, a lot of people think, took it as far as it can go. and And Mike Leach is doing it as far as it can go and the basketball program, um, you know, has been okay, but not great. And of course, baseball is a monster. Um, but Auburn's baseball has gotten better, uh, recently, a couple trips to Omaha, Auburn basketball under Bruce Pearl went to a final four and Auburn football. Everybody believes, um, around those parts that, you know what? When when the formula is right, they can do it. And Gus Malzahn showed that from time to time. And as you mentioned, Gene Chizik won a national title. So, so now the question becomes, as you said, who, who does Cohen? And I'm sure when he took the job, he already found out who some of the people around there want, and and who the target list is. I can't help but think the top two names are Lane Kiffin and Hugh Freeze. Now yeah. after that, it's darts at a board but i can't help but think those would be the top two what do you think oh those are my top those have been my top two i i i think you know auburn sometimes you know they'll 
it's hard to say because like Terry Bowden wasn't exactly it kind of goes back to Pat Dye being kind of a they're not an outlaw program like you would define it like some of the old Southwestern Conference programs were back in the day. But they're they're kind of like, you know, chip on their shoulder, you know, this is our guy, you know, we don't care, we're Auburn. Uh, sort of like a Bruce Pearl kind of guy, to be quite frank with you. Um, you know, Chiswick and Malzahn and Harson, obviously those guys, you know, no offense. Uh, you know, I'd probably get a, a beer with, um, you know, some of our far left leaning politicians like Bernie Sanders before I'd get a beer with any of those guys. <laughs> but, you know, I just, uh, you know, I just, uh, you know, they're not, they're not excited. They're not the most exciting personalities terry bowden was tuberville was but pat dye was pat dye was a you know very colorful you know downright hilarious stand up for his team told it like it was football coach and uh i i think auburn with the situation they're in now sharing the state with alabama and then you look to the east and you know, I think everybody could live with live with, with Alabama being great as long as Auburn was great, you know, every two or three years. You know, I mean, nothing – when Alabama was winning national championships in, in 09 and 11 and Auburn won it in 2010 and then played for it again in 2013. I mean, that, we had, what, Mike, five straight BCS games where a team from Alabama was in the, fi- in the final game? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think they were just fine with that happening, but they're not fine going back and – you know, struggling with some of the other teams they have to play every year, every single year. Um, and uh, and I think because of Alabama overshadowing you to the, to the to the West, and now Georgia has taken that next step to the East, and now they're a, a, a powerhouse again, and they've won a national championship again. And those are their two biggest opponents each and every year, Georgia and Bama. <laughs> yep. uh, because Auburn's essentially – it's essentially West Georgia. It's just right across the border. I mean, they're right there. They have to deal with them all the time. They recruit Georgia and all that. So they've kind of gotten boxed out. So they need somebody that's not only going to come in and fight and 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 be the Auburn guy. They need a kind of a big personality to kind of, you know, bring some excitement and relevance back. Uh, I think you do that these days with offense. Uh, I think um, – Lane Kiffin and and Hugh Freeze are both offensive coaches, uh, and they both had success uh, beating Georgia and beating Alabama through the years. So, you know, I, I, to me, those are the – it wouldn't get past – if one of those two said yes, it wouldn't get much further um, with me. I mean, I know they're talking about Deion Sanders getting a, a courtesy interview or an interview. And, and, hey, look, if he's the guy, that's way out of the box, Okay. That's way way out of the box. You could you could actually do with Dion structurally what you did with uh, Chizik and Malzahn and just say, hey, we're going to get you the best coordinators money can buy, the best staff money can buy. Just come here and recruit. You're prime time. Let's rock, right? Um, and, and so that would be kind of a, a different path. But honestly, Mike, I, I think with Harson, with what that program has been, they did take a different path and it blew up in their face. Uh, I think it's much better to go get the no brainer. And the guy that the guys that everybody has been talking about coming to Auburn for a while, and that would be Joey Freshwater, aka Lane Kiffin, and uh, and Hugh Freeze, oh Hugh Freeze up there. Just uh, you know, don't let a uh, Houston Nuts attorney get uh, Freeze's cell phone records anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I think enough time has passed 
well, first off, I don't think most people care a whole lot about a coach's personal life. If, yeah. if he can, if he can coach ball, yeah. uh, I mean, and the yeah. other, it, and the other stuff, uh, and I'm not saying nobody does. I mean, for some people that's a deal breaker. I get it. But I think enough time has passed where, where people are less concerned about that. And you say, well, what about the NCAA stuff? And all that stuff now is pretty much legal. I mean, with NIL, you can, you can find, you can navigate your way into buying players. We know that goes on. Um, uh, so I, I, we've talked about this before. I think he's going to be a power five coach. I know Liberty just G'd him up to the tune of 8 million a year or whatever, uh, but uh, that's a, that's a smart move by Liberty and, and uh, no pun intended, God bless him for, for finding those, that kind of money for a school that doesn't generate that those kind of dollars uh, commensurate with their TV deal and attendance. Uh, I mean, they're, they're paying them like they're in the SEC. Um, but, but I'm sure the way that thing is written, <laughs> if Auburn came calling, he could leave. Um, I, the, the Lane Kiffin thing is fascinating to me because I, you know, I said all along, he's not going to Miami when, when people said that I didn't think he was going to a lot of the other jobs he's rumored to go. It really comes down to this lane is in his comfort zone and he can be the mayor of Oxford for a long time if he wants it, or he could look out at as he's done several times at Vaught Hemingway Stadium and get frustrated with the fact that there's still people partying in the Grove as opposed to in their in their seats during the game, uh, and that you know he 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 could want to have some of the bells and whistles that Auburn has. Mm. Uh, they're two entirely different places. Mm. Auburn and Oxford are two entirely different places and atmospheres when it comes to college football and they're both great in their own right i mean i've been to each one of them god knows 50 times and i enjoy those trips for different reasons but does lane does he just want something different he can be fickle in his own right and if anybody has the top see lane's lane is hard-headed enough where if Mr. Yellowwood and whoever else come after him, he'll throw it right back in your face. He doesn't mm. give a you know what. <laughs> he just doesn't. No. So that would be uh that would be entertaining. As far as Dion, I don't think he's gonna get the job, but I'll tell you this much. From I have no dog in the fight. I'd love to see it just as an experiment. <laughs> I want to I'd love to see, I think it would be like a it's last chance you type reality entertainment for me if Dion gets the job. I don't think he's getting it. And now there are people cheerleading for him, not surprisingly in the national media that are hoping he gets it. Um, and like I said, for me, if it does happen, man, I'll, I'll have my popcorn ready, but I don't think that's who they're going after. I, I just don't. Uh, Dion will probably uh, get offered other jobs and he no doubt would love the Florida state job. If that ever came open. So mm-hmm. we'll just have to, uh, to wait and see. And I'll say one other thing on Auburn. Remember last week we did, it was, uh, it was, uh, this is the year of redemption. I called it. Yes. And I gave you a bunch of names and teams. I forgot one name and it was on my list and I was mad at myself, but boy, wouldn't Auburn love Bo Nix this year. <sighs> see what Bo Nix is doing at Oregon. My goodness. Yes. Hmm. Kenny, Kenny Dillingham, who could be Arizona state's guys, the OC there does a really good job. And he's, he's uh re- 
brought Bo Nix back, man. After that first game, you know, we kind of all wondered. But, ooh, he's having a good year. He's having a really good year. Um, and I know he was inconsistent at Auburn, but he wasn't the problem at Auburn, as you're seeing. Because he's gone, and Auburn still has problems. Some might even say bigger problems uh overall and and that'll be the uh the job of the new coach to uh to figure out so you had i mean it's like boom 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 this week story 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 Ooh. in college football um it is jc and morgan presented by blue delta jeans blue delta jeans.com the very best i have uh, experienced it firsthand jc is about to experience the comfort uh and the eliteness of a pair of blue delta jeans you cannot beat the comfort the look they last forever. Uh, uh, they take care. They hope you take care of them. They personally fit you. Uh, and, and if you need any adjustments, they take care of you. It's it's almost like a it's almost like having them on your side through the length of the of the jeans. Check it out, bluedeltajeans.com. You will not be sorry for sure. Um, we don't have Haney this week, but I will just go kind of a spotlight on the SEC real quick. We talked about the top two games. Um, by the way, who do you like there, Tennessee, Georgia? <laughs> it's tough on me, man, because I, I, you know, I've gone for being like, ah, once Tennessee runs into a team that knows how to attack their defense, they'll lose. Mm -hmm. Well, they went to LSU and won by twenty-seven. You know? Ah. Well, Alabama will slow them down and they'll run it all over them. And yeah, they'll be able to slow them and get enough points because it had not, they lost 52 39. And then, then I've gone from that, Mike. You know, it's kind of like dealing with like the, the five steps of being totally freaking wrong. Okay. And so, <laughs> I, so last week I was like, well, 11 and a half, I think Tennessee covers that. But I'm, oh, but I'm really curious to see how Kentucky plays them if they, catch them in their spotter web and slow the game down. And then, you know, obviously that didn't work, you know? So, so I hate, I'm going into this thing. I don't, I don't, I don't want to pick, I hate to pick against them again. Um, you know, historically uh, the way this series has gone, you know, Georgia's dominated it obviously recently, but you know, when Tennessee has won in this series, they've, they play pretty well in Athens and one down there. So it's not a place that necessarily intimidates these guys, even when they're not very good. Um, you know, uh, I just, I, I can't get past this. If anybody can have a good game plan against the Georgia, the, the, the Tennessee defense, which it doesn't seem like anybody, Brian Kelly, no, uh, you know, whatever NFL guy, you know, that uh, Stoops has didn't have a good game plan. You know, I don't think Bill O'Brien and Nick Saban had a good offensive game plan. You beat Tennessee teams like that that do what they do with your offense. Uh, and that means staying on the field, grinding out force downs, you know, time of possession, that kind of thing. If there's any team in the country that's set up to do that, it's Georgia. And if there's any offensive coordinator that I have full faith in calling a good game and attacking them where they got to be attacked and, you know, maybe not getting panicky and falling, falling for whatever, thinking you have to match their, their pace or intensity on offense. Uh, yeah. I think it's Todd Monken. And mm -hmm. then I don't, I don't know that Tennessee's faced a defense that's as stout as Georgia's though. Georgia's had some you know, Nolan Smith's out, you know, they've had some injuries. I, 
I don't think they're the, the, the brick wall of Athens like they were last year, but they've got good enough talent to where, you know, I think they can, they can make some things happen. So I, I'm going to go, you know, I think, I think Georgia will win close and, and but they won't cover uh, Alabama LSU. I'm close to taking LSU. Uh, I may hate myself for that, but I, 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 <laughs> I just I, I think when you look at like the trending with these two teams, a- Alabama has more issues this year than we we probably thought they did. They're still really good. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not the same at receiver nope. uh, that they were. Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs are carrying the offense. I mean, when's the last mm-hmm. time you you looked and you're like, well, two guys are carrying the Bama offense? You know, that's been three or four years. Defensively, I don't know what's up with the secondary. I mean, I know they shut down Mississippi State, but they always do. They kind of have their number. There's holes back there. You know, they're not as dominant up front. Teams have been able to move it on them. So I, you know, I don't know. LSU's kind of hitting its stride. It's in Baton Rouge, which historically Bama's uh, played a lot of close ones down there, but they usually win. If you look at the series, they've won a lot in Baton Rouge, but. Um, yeah, it's a tough place to play. Uh, and it and shoot, man, it's it's Brian Kelly, not Coach O, not Coach O with that staff last year. And uh Coach O almost beat Alabama last year. Yeah, in don't Tuscaloosa. That, son. Don't ever forget that because I will I'll you have watch your mouth beat. when you're talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna beat him in recruiting. We're gonna beat him everywhere. I'm enjoying my life, living my best life, getting paid, do nothing. Yeah. And pay do nothing. Just go to the beach every day and do got some crawfish at Tufay. Anyway, we, 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 we can do Coach O pretty much the rest of the podcast. We should do the whole podcast in the Coach I'm Coach down. O I'm down for that. Anyway, but do so February. I'm close. I'm close to saying LSU wins that game. I think that's you're the, talking yourself into LSU. So let me let me assume that that's where you're going to land. I'm let, still yeah. going to go Bama. Yeah. Um, but I think look, it would not surprise me at all if LSU won the game. Jane Daniels has now proven to be an effective passer in the SEC, not just a scrambler. Um, so he's making plays. Uh, they, they've continued to kind of root out some of the lack of want-to guys on defense that you had last couple of years. Um, so I, I'm still going to take Alabama. It's it's just the Bryce Young thing. And and the Jameer Gibbs. Uh, you, you, you hit the two guys that I'm just amazed by. I've said it before, and I think this this has caught fire now. Uh, Gibbs to me is Alvin Kamara 2.0 mm-hmm. uh, and Kamara was completely underutilized at Tennessee. Uh, Gibbs is not at Alabama. Um, but I, I, I just, I can't find it within myself to bet against those two and, and Lord Saban. So I'll go with Alabama in a close one in Baton Rouge. I'm going to take Georgia, but I, man, I, I, for the life of me, I can't get to where we're not going against the spread this week. Uh, that's a good thing because I I would be pulling my hair out to try to find a way to convince myself George is going to win this game handily. I don't think that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think Hendon Hooker is is almost put pitched a perfect game this season. I mean he I has been unflappable. At some point he's got to make a mistake, and if he does, Georgia will make them pay. Uh, and George and Brock Bowers is still, you know, tight ends don't don't win Heisman trophies, but damn, if he's not worthy of <laughs> being considered because that dude is just, just awesome. Uh, I expect him to make plays. I expect Georgia to have just enough between the hedges. So I'll take Georgia and I'll take Bama 
And then Tennessee still finds its way in the playoff uh, when it's all said and done. It's kind of a sneaky good. Like these are these are uh, sneaky good games that people are not talking about. Kentucky, Missouri. And you just talk about what happened to Kentucky last week. Again, that offensive line was bad from week one, and it's just gotten worse. And uh, Will Levis says, or people want to know what's wrong with Will Levis. Well, he he doesn't have a ton to work with. That was my concern going in all season, but he hadn't been his best either. Defense is good, not great, despite the fact that I think Brad White is a, a terrific coordinator. And you just saw Missouri finally get that win. They were they were going to bite somebody. They bit South Carolina. They could bite Kentucky again, and it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Florida A and M in College Station. <laughs> what a, that's that's intriguing to me. I mean, it, it, like, it's it's mm. like a who's a bigger mess bowl, right? Yeah. I, I mean, it's just a and look, it's Billy Napier's first year, so you're you're not gonna. It's not an indictment on him, but Woody and Hayes has got no defense whatsoever. And he's got a quarterback that everybody went goo goo gaga over after a couple of highlights against Utah, who still can't routinely make routine throws. Um, so that that's a that's kind of a, a just an interesting game because of the struggles they both had. Liberty, the fighting Hugh Freeze is at Arkansas. Yeah. Do I even have to say it? Uh, Auburn with an interim coach in Starkville. And then, uh, boy, if you're at the Gamecocks, don't let Vanderbilt ruin your season because that game mm. will be in Nashville and it's 730 and it, it just just be careful. Be yeah. careful. Don't stump your toe for the game. Guys. That, yeah, so will, will, Co- will, will John Cohen be going to the game this weekend? <laughs> 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 I, I was on, that's I was on, gonna be interesting right i was on the air in tuscaloosa today and whip sanderson asked me that he's like you think john cohen will go to the game i'm like that's a very good question that's a great I, qu- I have no idea if I, i'm john cohen i might just sit that probably just watching old tv you know <laughs> yeah, go, 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 just... you're, probably, you're probably still in like the you know whatever the swanky hotel at auburn's at in a, in a suite just order some room service kick back Review some paperwork, take some yeah, calls. Yeah. Maybe stay away from Davis Wade Stadium on Saturday. Yeah, um, yeah. I didn't another, even think about that. That's here's another question. question I have: Who in the heck is in charge of non-conference scheduling at Arkansas? Yeah, I know. I mean, they Cincinnati, right? Uh, BYU on the road. Uh huh. And Liberty at home. Yeah. And then the fourth one was uh, Southwest or it's Missouri State now. It used to be Southwest With Petrino. They had Petrino. to sweat that one out for a half. A few uh, years ago, they almost lost to Coastal Carolina. That's another one you don't want to schedule for an automatic dub. You know, yeah. I, you might want to reconfigure that. Who decided playing Cincinnati, BYU, and Liberty when you're in the SEC West the in same In the Western year Division. Was the same. Well, that's a good idea. Let's just go give, hogs, you give know. poor Sam Pittman a break so he can enjoy his beer in peace. Dude, yeah, I mean, he's going to – yeah, he's probably needed a lot of beer. He probably had that time to kind of sit back and get, go fishing and kick up a couple cold ones. I mean, they, yeah. there's no break with me when you're Arkansas, but they've, they've gotten it back on track. And, you know, Liberty did a really good job. Liberty thumped BYU 41, 14. Uh, so they're good. Uh, and they're not gonna, they're not going to come in there intimidated by the hogs. I can assure you that, but I, I think Arkansas Mike has sort of gotten back on track. They went through that period where Jefferson didn't play that, that takes a lot out of their offense. You know, their defense, I think, 
at this point, we need to just kind of admit that it's not that good. <laughs> uh, it is what it is. Uh, and then, you know, Rocket Sanders is back and or, or, or he'd never went anywhere, but he's he's still like one of the best backs in the in the country, already over a thousand yards. But that's still anytime Liberty and Hugh Freeze play any SEC team, it's intriguing. Uh, you know, Florida AM, 11 a.m. kickoff at Kyle Field. I mean, yeah. you know, both both Napier Napier could use a win because he's at Florida, right? And they're not going to be too happy, even though they everybody there kind of knew this was going to be a transitional year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to be happy going four and eight or five and seven, uh, you know, for different reasons. Jimbo needs it and uh, and all that. So, yeah, good SEC slate. Yeah, they're they're. I could tell you what the 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 focus on Florida talk right now is going on a a show there once a week, much like you go on and in uh, Alabama once a week, it's what's the recruiting looking like? Like they, because this season for them is just like, they want to beat Florida state, obviously at the end of the year. Um, but, but they're just looking at this. This is a, this is a punt year because they're not going to accomplish anything that they wanted going in. This is why they fired Dan Mullen in the first place, because you don't celebrate, uh, you know, six and six, seven and five in Gainesville. So there, what's the recruiting rankings? Miami just got that kid. What? What's going? Is Billy out there? Is he on the trail? Are we, do we got enough NIL deals? Like that's that's just the talk in Gainesville. Meanwhile, in College Station, the talk was: look at all these five stars we're bringing in. And now it's what the hell's Jimbo doing with the offense? We got we got talent. We got recruits coming in, but but at some point we got to coach them up better. So. It's kind of a tale of two different concerns from the uh, respective fan bases. Anyway, you mentioned BYU. BYU is going to be in the Big 12. So, too, is UCF. Uh, i got to get to the UCF Night 94 AAC Roundup. UCF is number 25 in that uh, playoff poll to start off. They're 6-2. and two. They're 3-1, and one, coming off the big win against Cincinnati. So they need a road win against Memphis to stay in the race. Tulane, how about where Tulane is ranked? 19th. They're not going to get in the playoff, but they're the highest the highest ranked group five. You could have won a lot of money if you bet on Tulane. Uh, the Green Wave, the only undefeated team in the AAC, 4-0, 7-1 overall. Uh, USF is 1-7, 0-4 under Coach Scott. You know, we were talking about Coach Elliott now, the Virginia coach, the other co-ACC for Clemson all those years was Coach Scott, and you wonder if he's on a hot seat, uh, although nobody's been winning at USF for quite some time. And then uh, Houston, SMU, Navy at Cincinnati. There's your there's your 32nd AAC report, courtesy of the one and only UCF Knight 94, who's feeling awfully good about uh, his Knights right about now. Yeah, UCF winning the AAC. I had that the preseason. I thought they'd win. Um, you know, you mentioned the USF job, and I have some friends that coach there, obviously. And uh, I, I hope they give him one more year. Again, people have to keep in mind, you know, Charlie Strong's last year, there was a disaster. They lost a lot of players uh, to the portal. They had the pandemic year. I mean, that thing really had to kind of be rebuilt from scratch. Now, 
you know, maybe he won't make it, but I, but I hope he gets another one. I, ho- I hope they give it. I think they need to give him one more. You can't keep firing coaches every couple of years at USF. Um, very impressed with the job Malzahn's done. Uh, heading into the Big 12, beat their future Big 12 opponents in, in Cincinnati. Uh, that was a big one. Uh, and you mentioned Tulane. You know, I thought instead of Eli Drinkwitz, that uh, Missouri should have hired Willie Fritz a couple of years ago. Uh, I think he's a heck of a football coach. Uh, obviously, what he's doing, again, I think a lot of people just assume, well, Tulane's in New Orleans and there's great recruit. Tulane has been a train wreck. Uh, a good friend of mine is a is a Tulane grad, and I remember we used to joke with him because they literally were thinking of getting rid of football. Like they were having the the equivalent of bake sales to to keep funding going to Tulane football. Uh, Tulane football, minus a Tommy Bowden undefeated Sean King year. What was that, like 98 uh, back in the day? But but overall, t- <laughs> that's not an easy job. He's done a ter- terrific job, and I can't imagine he, w- he won't get another job. He, he's going to be hired somewhere, you know, just like the American, uh, all the American coaches. You, you, you put together some good years there, and you're going to get a Power 5 job. It's the perfect feeder system. Uh, I will say this now that I'm thinking about it, I couldn't help but think as I'm watching a really rough year in Ames, Iowa, there was a time, this is why people, people are critical when a coach leaves and grass is no, he's greener. And how can you bail on the kids and all that? Matt Campbell could have picked his job college and several pro. And this is back to back disappointing years now. And no one's talking about Matt Campbell anymore. Because eventually, as the expression goes, water finds its own level. Uh, it's really difficult to be a consistent winner at Iowa State. We've talked about the prowess of the Big 12 this year. They have hit the skids a bit. And it's not like Matt Campbell forgot how to coach, but it's just tough to get players there. So uh, sometimes it's all about knowing when it's time to go. And if you're Matt Campbell and you could have a do-over, I wonder if he would have done just that, uh, gotten out of Dodge. Because unlike Matt Rule, who just got 40-something million to get canned from the Panthers and can get another great college job, uh, if you're Matt Campbell, you got a nice buyout. But you don't have that kind of buyout, and you're not getting the kind of offers that you would have gotten a year or two ago. No doubt. Now, the Big 12 uh... – And look, I think he has security at Iowa State, Mike. It has been a brutal year. They're in last. But man, oh man. I mean, they did win the Cyhawk Trophy. That matters. Yep. Um, They did beat Iowa. And Iowa's got, of course, the worst offense I think I've seen in a long time. Uh, Started 3-0. They've lost five straight. But man, look, they lost by seven to Baylor, three to Kansas, one point at home to K-State. It was a pretty dang good football team. Really lost good. by three points at Texas on a very questionable – it's probably the right call at the end of the day, but questionable call late. Uh, and then Oklahoma came in there when they got Dylan Gabriel back and then and won by a couple of touchdowns. So they had been getting blown out. They just don't have a lot of offense. Uh, and in the Big 12, you have to have offense. I think they're actually they're actually better on defense this year than last year. Uh, but but to your point, man, uh, if you don't beat West Virginia, you got Oklahoma State and Stillwater, you got Texas Tech, then you're at TCU. You could go winless in the league, and you're not going to be lining up to hire Matt Campbell uh, for that reason. For, I mean, you know, uh, with, with coming off of that year, because athletic directors have to sell it to their people, you know. I mean – 
look, you know, I follow South Carolina pretty closely. When they hired Shane Beamer after they fired Will Muschamp, they would have, like, people in Columbia would have, like, you know, cut off their nose to hire Pat Matt Campbell, right? Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, here he was, winning big at Iowa State. He's a more with less guy. Great, great fit. You know, if he's coming off an 0-8 record in the Big 12, people, your your boosters and fans, uh, and that matters, unfortunately. I don't think it has anything to do with what kind of coach he is, but that matters uh, because, you know, you, you're going to, you know, you want to kind of excite people and, and how you're going to excite them with the guy that didn't win anything in his conference last year. And, and I think the same thing about P.J. Fleck at Minnesota. You know, Min- Minnesota's a Big Ten job. They've got money. They can – pay his exorbitant salary. He's done a great job getting them competitive. They're in a weak division, you know, sitting there five and three, two and three. I mean, you know, eventually Minnesota people are going to be like, Oh gee, the golfers, you know, they go to the, uh, you know, we, we go to a bowl game every year, but Oh what man, who's going to take this to the next level. And then they're going to start getting sick of you, you know? Uh, and it has nothing to do with kind of what kind of coach you are then either. The guy they need to call up, is a guy right there in their neighborhood, in my neighborhood, and Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern. Now, Pat Fitzgerald's not getting fired, but look look at them and how how bad they've been the last couple of years after after winning the divisions uh, in the Big Ten. You know what I'm yeah. saying? This is a program that two years was on back to back or two out of three division titles, and and now look at them when you're in a place where the bottom could fall out, unless you're like, you know, Steve Spurrier at South Carolina who had him as good as they ever were going to be. And he really wasn't going to go take another job and, you know, all that, you know, and, you know, South Carolina even may be a little bit different because it's in the SEC, but when you're at an Iowa state or a Minnesota, or even dare I say a Northwestern, uh, you know, Tom Allen at Indiana had some job offers a couple of years ago. Didn't take it. Look at him now. Um, mm-hmm. You're right. You know, you probably need to, sort of reconsider (laughs) it's it's (laughs) it's kind of it's kind of my the antithesis of my volcano program theory Mm -hmm. there are some theories some programs yeah or or you know call them the 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 level the water finds their own its own level programs eventually Mm -hmm. they're going to come back down you can't you just can't consistently win at certain places um doesn't mean you your coaching got worse it just means the, the the odds the resources are stacked against you. Um, so I, I just thought that was interesting. I do, I know we're, we're, we're wrapping up early here because we're both on a time crunch. I do want to mention, so this game tonight, there's a guy that's going to be in attendance, Ben Chase. Have you heard about this guy? Ben Chase is a 33-year-old dude from Orlando. He is trying to break the Guinness Book of World Records for the most amount of of college football venues in one season. The record unofficially is 50. He plans to make it to 60 games. He's already driven over 29,000 miles. Uh, He was just at the Kent State game last night. He's driving here to Bowling Green, Ohio tonight. He'll be at every college football uh playoff game he'll be at some of the conference championship games he's driving around in a van that he nicknamed Betty White uh don't ask and he just goes around from stadium I mean who would not want to do this like how many people in our audience would not want to just say honey I'm getting in a van 
I'll see you in five months after I drive to 50 different, uh, excuse me, 60 different college stadiums uh, throughout the country. So we're going to talk about this guy. You'll hear about it a little bit tonight if you haven't already. He's on Twitter. Uh, what is he on Twitter? Ben, Ben G Chase, I believe. Anyway, I haven't met him. I haven't spoke. We've corresponded uh, via email, but I just thought it was an interesting story. I once had a couple of buddies of mine from college uh, that toured every major league ballpark, all 30 of them in one summer. And I helped line up the credentials and all that stuff. That was impressive. That was 30. This, this dude's going to 60. 60 college football venues in one season. So pretty cool stuff. Yeah. A Florida grad from 2014, 37 out of 70. There's an actor named Ben Chase, too, who was a law and order uh, organized crime, but uh, it's not the same guy. Uh, this guy, this Ben Chase, actually looks kind of cooler than the actor. So uh, he was at Kent <laughs> State good. and rocking and rolling. So that, that'll be good. I, I may tune in just because of that, Mike. Yeah. I could see you doing something like that. I could see you just getting in an old Volkswagen van and bringing your, bringing your dog red along for the ride and just going to 60 spots throughout the season talking about it. That'd be so great. That'd be, that'd be awesome. The open Uh, road, like dumb and dumber. That's right. That's right. Anything else you want to hit on before we get out of here? No, 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 nothing really big there. I think we covered it all. Just, uh, Boy, there's just nothing like when Auburn has a coach in search. I mean, it, there's just something different about when Auburn has a coach in search that kind of makes me pay attention to college football. Well, there's only uh, there's only one thing more. that's been more interesting over the years, and that's Tennessee. And, yeah, and Tennessee, you know. it looks like Tennessee finally figured it out after after 15 years of of putting gasoline to a dumpster fire. Tennessee. And- However they got there, and we've talked about it, sometimes it's a little bit better to be lucky than good when it comes to a coaching search. But they landed on Josh Heupel, and he clearly is their answer. And they and, and, and I think I do sense people that I know that have hated Tennessee their whole lives can't help but root for Tennessee this year. Two reasons. Number one, they hate Alabama more. In this case, they might hate Georgia more. But two – if you're a program that has been mired in mediocrity or even worse than that, you can't help but look at Tennessee and saying, you know, that gives us hope. That gives us hope because no, the people thought Tennessee would be uh, in year two of whoever they hired, four and eight at the best. And now they're number one <laughs> in freaking college football. Uh, it's an amazing uh, turnaround, to to say the least. Oh, it's Jace, crazy. Yeah. yeah, crazy stuff. JC, we'll turn this thing back around. We'll have uh, Haney back with the Hot Haney 5 next week as well. We'll get back to our normal day and schedule. But uh, always great talking to you, my friend, and uh, look forward to doing it next week. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Thanks to everyone out there. Uh, thanks to Delta Blue Jean Company, and uh, we'll talk next week. All right, sounds good, everybody. So long. See you next time on JC and Morgan.